It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We'll check in with Hal Anderson in our next segment to tee up what's coming up on Connecting Winnipeg. But right now we want to continue the discussion on the gas tax holiday. And our next guest is going to help us continue that because, you know, as we've been discussing through the morning, there are a lot of mixed feelings about the whole thing. And yesterday on X slash Twitter, Twitterks, whatever you want to call it, uh, our guest had all kinds of really thought-provoking feedback on what we should or could be doing instead. Said guest is a columnist on Urban Issues. He's an architect with number 10 Architectural Group. Let's say hello to our good friend Brent Bellamy. Brent, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Ah, We appreciate it. Uh, Is it oversimplification to suggest you're not a fan of the gas tax holiday? (laughs) No, I would say that's pretty much uh, bang on. I am definitely not. So why why do you, do you think this is a, a mistake in policy by the, the, the new provincial government? You know, um, if the goal of the initiative is to help with cost of living, I, I really feel like we should want to get the most money to the people who need it most. And this plan is really designed to give the most money to the people who drive the largest vehicles and the longest distances. And those aren't necessarily the same two people. They likely aren't, actually. We, we don't often think about the cost of a tax cut to the government, but, you know, they're losing $160 million in six months of revenue, $320 million for the full year. So if you look at that amount of money, cutting the gas tax for six months will cost the government the same amount of money as providing free public transit for two full years. And that's in every city in Manitoba that has transit. That's Winnipeg, Brandon, Selkirk, Thompson, Flin Flon. If they extend this for the full year, which they likely will, they have everywhere else, that's giving free public transit for four full years. So think about how impactful that would be to somebody who really needs that money. If you're driving a a car that has sort of average gas mileage, um, if you drive that vehicle 1,000 kilometers this month, you're going to save $13. A family that relies on public transit could save the cost of a monthly bus pass, which is $100. So every single person in that family that's using transit is saving $100 a month. That could really be an impactful thing for families that need it most. And so I I really think we need to look at how this money is invested and are there better ways to get it to to the people that need it most. Well, and on the subject of getting, uh, not just helping with the the cost of living for those who uh, would be able to save that money taking the bus, but uh, is it a good thing to get more people just in general, just is it is a good thing to get more people taking the bus, not just in Winnipeg, but other Manitoban communities that you've listed? Yeah, of course, there's all kinds of reasons that, that um, incentivizing public transit use is a good thing. You know, climate change, wear and tear on our roads, even the basic issue of traffic, reducing traffic, getting more people on the bus is a good thing. Uh, affordability, we talk about affordability all the time. Owning a car, CAA says owning a car costs about $10,000 a year. If you can reduce those costs, you're helping people uh, with cost of living. And, you know, that brings up another issue, actually. We could, about a year worth of this gas tax cut could actually pay for the downtown phase of the rapid transit system for Winnipeg. That's, that's making a generational investment in your city. That's changing the city for our children and our children's children, instead of giving $13 a month for a few months, we're making investments in a city to change how we move around that city for the next generations. Like if we think bigger picture than sort of this nice to have um, gas tax cut for a few months, we could be making major changes to our city for the next generations for that same amount of money. It's quite staggering to 
sort of step back and think about it that way. Yeah, well, some of our listeners are pointing out, just hold the phone here, that you know, a good percentage of Manitoba's population does live outside the Winnipeg, outside of the city of Winnipeg. And so those people do drive further distances. And, and so the, the genuine impact on people who don't live in the city of Winnipeg could be more than, you know, the math that we might be calculating for somebody that lives inside the perimeter. Is that fair assessment, a fair, a fair counter narrative? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree that Issues that are, are solving issues in the city are different than solving issues for, for rural Manitobans. Maybe it's a, a more nuanced strategy than just simply the gas tax. Maybe there's different strategies for, for outside of Winnipeg and inside of Winnipeg. But honestly, even just taking that $160 million and sending us checks for that money would give everybody, every adult in Manitoba, $160 for the six months. So that's more than the $13 every month, even if it was just the cash. But, you know, I personally think we should be investing it in things that are transformational for the future. And if, if that is, you know, a new rapid transit system in Winnipeg and something else that helps people in the in rural areas, I think the plan could be much more nuanced than simply giving a gas tax. I know that's politically popular because we, we you know, the cost of gasoline is on giant signs as we drive down the street. It's in our face all the time. It's really only the, about 15 percent of the cost of owning a vehicle, 15 to 20 percent. Um so it's not the biggest part of owning a vehicle, buying gasoline, but it's something that's really in our minds all the time. So I understand why it's politically popular, but it, it doesn't really target the biggest needs, in my opinion. Brent Bellamy is our guest. He's an architect with Number 10 Architectural Group. He is a columnist. And we've all said people who work in the transportation industry or who work as, as delivery drivers or couriers. And so what would you say to someone like that who says, this is going to save me a lot of money? I agree. I mean, there, it's going to save people money. There's no argument that it's going to, this is going to save people money. It's, is it the best way to save people money? And is that the goal? Is it the goal to help families buy groceries or is it to help businesses? Like that's sort of the, the discussion we need to have. The, the delivery driver is working for a business. It's not really helping him put meals or food on his, on his table. So what is the goal of this? And, and can there be a, a plan designed with a, a little more nuance that helps achieve that goal. I don't know if it is necessarily, it wasn't sold to us in the, in the press releases as helping the delivery drivers. It was more helping Manitobans put food on their plates or, you know, help with cost of living of average Manitobans. And, you know, I don't know that this plan is really achieving that in the best way possible. I like this conversation for as much as anything. Uh, it, it brings a healthy conversation discussion about uh, what a, a prosperous what a you know Manitoba and Winnipeg looks like in the future and you and I agree wholeheartedly that that transit has to become a bigger part of the landscape in our community you're comparing in your latest column in the free press comparing bus rapid transit to to light rail which one is better for Winnipeg in your view Brent I mean I've long been a proponent of light rail I totally understand why there's resistance to it it's it's very expensive but Every single large city in, in Canada is building light rail. We're going to be the only one out of the top 10. That includes Kitchener-Waterloo that doesn't have light rail as part of as the backbone of their transit system. And we're transforming our, our transit system over the next year to be sort of a high-frequency system that's going to have feeder lines running down the major streets like Portage Avenue, Main Street, Pemina Highway. That would It's going to be perfect for light rail. So to me, it, it's a, it, it has much... Um, 
bigger impacts to, to go light rail, to think big. Every other city in the country is. Those are the cities we're competing with for jobs and investment and tourism and immigration. We're falling behind. But if we do decide to go with bus rapid transit, we're doing that because it's much cheaper. So then why are all the cities in this country building really expensive LRT and we still have our bus rapid transit as a 25-year plan? If it's going to be cheaper, then let's do it now. It doesn't make sense to me that we're having, we're choosing the cheaper one and still keeping it a generation away. If it's the cheaper one, great, then let's do it. Let's do it now. Get on it. Because every other city in the country is doing it and they're choosing a better system and still getting it done. Could it? Could we even possibly make that switch now? Like, just do the about face and say, "No, or let's 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 switch gears. Let's do light rail." The plan is always to design the system. Even the first phase that's that's already completed is to design the system to switch to LRT in the future, if possible. That clearly never happens because the investment that would that would <laughs> that would require likely would never happen. You have to do it at the beginning, but it's being designed, so it could be switched. And that's an indication that the system is better. Why, no one would ever design an LRT system to be switched to buses. It, it shows that the LRT system is better and that we can. It is being designed to be um, transformed in the, in the future. But to me, we need to just stand up for once in Winnipeg and do the best thing possible instead of the cheapest thing. If we were both having a beer right now, I might uh, challenge you on that with regards to what's happening in Ottawa right now as they <laughs> struggle to transform and, and you know, make their BRT, LRT. And I bet you there's lots of people in Ottawa right now who would say, uh, rip up those rail lines and put the BRT back. <laughs> they are not helping my argument. I definitely <laughs> <laughs> There's hundreds of LRT systems in about of 100 course. LRT systems in North America, so I, I do point to the other 99. Yeah, you, you, that, and that's a, and that's a fair comment by you. Uh, when we when we look at this, and we, we we have to run, but when we look at this and this, what seems to be a, a total lack of commitment, even though it's presented as a commitment at time, like just this new you know this new uh, transit plan, this transit master plan. It's like you just keep pushing it, pushing it back, pushing it back, and and, and you sound hopeful that that it's going to happen in the next year. I, I wish I could, I wish I could uh, have the same enthusiasm or optimism as you have. Well, it was supposed to be done three years ago, so my optimism is only that it's five years late. So if you put it in that perspective, it makes more sense. Brent Bellamy, thank you as always for your time. We really appreciate chatting with you. Have a great day, guys. Thanks a lot. Brent Bellamy is a columnist on urban issues. As mentioned, his latest column, column in the Free Press talks about bus rapid transit versus light rail. He is an architect with Number 10 Architectural Group, and he's a great follow on X on social media. 947. Mackling and McGarry, let's check in with Hal Anderson next on The Start.